Welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. I'm M. And I'm Glenroy. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Hey, boo. How are you doing? I'm all right. Can't get used to the heat, but life. I'm too far on and you still can't manage. The girl, but my might have started the environmental something we talk about seriously. All the all the retweet me, I retweet, I tag you at JV. I don't know how to listen. But girl, I walk down the road. Um, earlier today, and I felt like I was about to get a nosebleed. Oh no! Like it's horrible. Trust me, it's horrible. Yeah, bitch, man, I have to start recycling those songs. No, I need a way to come back. Anyway, it's hard. Anywho, how you been? By the way, we're up to like we're in a school. No, I can't confuse the classes. Them done. Yes, sir. It's summer, so school's out. Um, no classes, but I still have to do some work um, on a pre-dissertation study that I had um, drafted. So I have some reading to do. Um, it's going to be like just like a literature review and um, building some relationships with um, some persons in the population that I'm looking to study. So that's, that's where I'm at. So just for clarity. So you spend your days just reading, not, you know, meeting strangers at cafe and giving them your number? Not yet. <laughs> like, so since, since school ended in, when did classes end? In May. Yeah. I've been working on wrapping up some consultancies. Um, and then between that, I've just been like going to the park and going to the bar. So I actually went out last Friday night. Um, reached out to this person who was in my class that I found attractive and said, hey, let's hang out. We went to the bar, had drinks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to live a life <laughs> before, before Miss Delta strain COVID decides to put us back fully inside. All you did was drink. Yes, all I did was drink. <laughs> I'm not going to put out on a first night, Glenroy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's like I said that, and in my mind, I was like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> but it was, it was just not that kind of night. If you say so, that number meaning for check up, young cafe guy go talk till I talk. Oh no, like that dead, like oh. because remember the, the last time I told you that he was like, we should hang out more, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it, and then that was it. So, mm. what about you? Well, work, that's my life now. Um, so, I mean, not in a bad way. It's just, there's a lot on my plate that I'm just trying to always manage. Um, yeah, and congratulations on that <laughs> new appointment. Thank you. So, my nose say, you're going to get too busy for me now and stuff, but I'm still happy. Never that darling. You know, you're, I'm always just like, what? <laughs> 
Um, but no, so it's, I mean, today, this week really wasn't that bad in terms of work. It's just kind of, I'm just trying to keep everything um, in check. You know, I've, funny enough, people may not believe this, but I was not, well, you would know. But I've not always been good with like, you know, scheduling and, you know, just keeping everything together. And now I have to just live by my calendar just to be able to manage everything that's on my plate, right? So no Mahavde, if it's not in my calendar, then it's not happening rule. Um, we can put it only when we can. So like, I need, I need to teach me because it's still in my calendar and it's still not happening. Like I, I suck at scheduling. I'm always double booked. I'm always not seeing stuff like I. You're so, you're so organized. I don't understand that. It's a performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, it's a God. massive performance, girl. For that Emmy. <laughs> Anyways, and I'm back. So, that would never feel. Nah. Right, you ask, you, nah. Like, you literally ask me every episode. I'm going to know if it's really like, I don't know. Right? You, you can't read book in Jamaica. That is just, that's all I'm going to say. You see, I can, but the times are uncertain and I do not want to be stuck outside of the country because they're planning to start back school face-to-face and you know them people are they're very matter-of-fact with them business and we just can't the excitement. And you would do a stick of fire to be very honest. I don't know how that work out. But anywho, let's move on. Um, so for today, listeners, we are um, having another iteration of our Caribbean tour episode. So the last time we did this, we spoke to persons from, I remember correctly, I think it was Dominica, right? <laughs> and St. Lucia, I, I remember clearly <laughs> because Kenito is here. Um, but uh, I think the other island was Dominica. But anyways, so for this episode, we're talking to two queer persons from Trinidad, um, just, you know, before Trinidadian Pride. They kind of hear about that, um, the experience of being, you know, a part of the LGBT community in Trinidad. So joining us is Renee and Danica. Um, so they're going to, you know, introduce themselves, tell us, you know, about, you know, that experience growing up, you know, in Trinidad, you know, being part of the community, what it's like, what are the hotspots. Um, I've been to Trinidad on the avenue, we got one, one party and it never bad. So I just want to hear, you know, <laughs> what the real experience is like. So welcome to the podcast, Renee and Danica. Hi. <laughs> Renee, you could go first. I was just about to say you go first. <laughs> Don't be shy. All right, so I'll go first. Um, so I'm a spoken with poet, um, I guess activist and writer, content creator from Trinidad and Tobago. And um, you all have to direct me where questions is concerned because I'm really <laughs> terrible at um, just trying to think about this broad idea of what it feels like or what is the experience of being queer um, in Trinidad. So direct me, ask me, ask me whatever you all need to ask and I'll be able to ask. Well, you will ask, you know, me will ask, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be possible. So Renee, you know. You can... Hi. 
Yeah. Were you said just now? I didn't hear you. I'm saying you can introduce yourself. Okay, hi, I'm Renee. I am a makeup artist. I'm a model. I also do quite a lot of stuff. So I'm not into listing the whole career thing right now, but I do a lot of brand ambassadors stuff and all over. Um, with the same thing, you know, that Danica just said, terms of question y'all could ask, because I am extremely nervous because I'm introverted and I have social anxiety, so you know. But um, yeah, just ask questions and have a lot of answers from back then to now. Because, you know, I'm not just out in the game. Like recently, so the time that I came out or the times that I've had experiences in the LGBT community and all the activities, etc., a lot have changed. So you're definitely going to be the one asking questions. All right, no problem. So I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, so, so talk to us about... I guess individually, what it was like. Um, well, if you are out, to what extent you're out in Trinidad, and what it was, and what it was like finding your community in Trinidad. Where did you have to go to find community and, uh, and connect with members of the community? Well, when I moved to the east, I was in a relationship, so everything that I knew. And everything I was exposed to was through that person. I was my first time. So I was involved in a lot of parties and people and the whole community. And then you realize, you know, once you know one person, you're going to know everybody because the circle, it's big, but it's small at the same time. You know, everybody knows everybody. And at that time, she was part of committee in terms of hosting parties. So I met well, saw a lot of people and I got acquainted with their faces from those events, everything that they've thrown and all the other committees, etc. So that's how I was exposed to the LGBT community all at once. Not bad. And what about you, Danica? Uh, <laughs> so my story is a bit complicated. Um, <laughs> I you know, like most queer people, I think you always have an idea that something not too right with you. Um, and that was the case with me from very, very early on in my childhood. I was like, I, I know normal way, you know? And <laughs> um, I remember, well, I went to all girls school, primary school and secondary school. Um, and that didn't help, <laughs> you know, that didn't help. <laughs> Question, did people do sexuality on the schools that you went to? Because I've had that problem since I went to college. <laughs> uh, it, didn't, it didn't help, but um, I didn't come to terms with being queer until I hit an adult. I, I think I was like about now like 20. Um, so even though I went to uh, all girls, primary school, secondary school, there were things that was happening and I didn't quite understand them while I was in school. And then they only started to make sense when I left because I didn't have the language to make sense of those things. And so um, I was like about 21 when I had my first. OK, yeah, like, I was I had crushes and teachers and things, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't know. You know I didn't know. You don't realize happening. until after. Until we It's like, Correct. oh, that's why I like them. Correct. So, um, I had like my first crush, like when I was like, like that I know of, that I was aware of when I was like about 21. And I may, I may have came out like around 24. Um, and I was pulled out of the closet by my mom. I was pulled out, out of the closet by my mom. She kind of cornered me and she asked me if I liked women. Uh, at the time, I was dating somebody. And uh, they were coming around often. Um, but my family kind of assumed that every person that I brought around, I, I had something with them that wasn't true. And um, yeah, uh, my mom was pretty okay with it. Um, in the earlies, uh, it was really smooth and everything was nice and everything was fine. Um, and I only, you know, a, a thing that I always used to feel is like I wasn't queer enough because it happened so smoothly. Um, not having that traumatic experience at first, figuring it out when I was an adult already out of my mom's house. I didn't have to deal with that, like, you know, depending on parents per se so even if things went bad like I had a plan B and then um most recently my mom just bossed the mark and she was like um I was never okay with you being queer you know um it was something that I was dealing with um it was something that she was dealing with and she just didn't want to say but she was never okay with that and our relationships had been strained within the last year or so it was very strange. It was a whole set of dramas because it was, it was, it was you know, I experienced um, what a lot of my friends experienced, but it was like a delayed response. Yeah, you had to do up with it. Yeah, it started yeah. off really, really started good at first. And then, went backwards. Yeah, so now, I, well, at the time when it happened, I was actually building home by my mom, um, like, putting money into building a house on the land um and I was I was thrown out I was told that I can't stay there um she can't have me around her religion and that type of stuff um so yeah it was it was it was intense but um with regards to coming out publicly I came out publicly in 2018 I had performed at um a national poetry slam that I won actually and the poem that I won with was about being in the closet. And so then everybody in Trinidad knew I was, I was gay, you know. Everybody knew I was gay. It was printed in all of the papers that, you know, this poet won the slam with this poem. Um, and that took a whole life of its own. Um, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a, that kind of interesting trajectory but before I get into like you know Trinidad and culture broadly I wanted to hear from you um how did you become or you know start to uh become a part of like the Trinidad and queer community so Renee says you know I had a girlfriend and she connected me to everybody what was it like for you connecting to other people? it was super easy for me because I was I'm an artist and um I I started like in my early 20s going to a lot of events because I mean I was a I am a performer so I go to these performance events and if you know artistic events um I feel like it's the one space where otherness is accepted 
And so um, that was when I really started to see like women just being okay with being with their partners and um, just being open only solely in those artistic spaces, um, which started to get me more comfortable with myself. And I started asking questions about myself um, based on just being in the artistic spaces. And then it had a few um, powerhouses, queer powerhouses that I started looking up to that I met and was introduced, you know, to in those spaces, Amanda uh, McIntyre, um, Stephanie Leaf and all of these powerful women who I started to like look up to and just follow their work and ask questions. Um, so yeah, that's, that's through art. Through art is how I, I became exposed to spoken word poetry and just doing my thing on the ground. That's how I became kind of exposed to the community. And of course, once I discovered it, I was all inside it. So. <laughs> Same. Because at that time, when it is I met up with everybody and was exposed to all that, I just moved out. I was 18. So I definitely had the freedom to do everything I wanted and go to every event, even if I wanted to or not, because, you know, I'm not that social. But, yeah, I was exposed to a lot. A lot of was the older heads, too. So you would get, like, a wider range of everybody because you'll be age. The age will be... The age bracket is ridiculous. The places they live is like every and anybody that is queer, you know, every single career, every race, every, it was just, it was cool. It was actually a nice experience getting to learn the LGBT community and the people that was in. A lot of powerful people too. It was nice. Okay. Um, and. Um, so listening to you both, um, Danica, I kind of, I'm touched by your story, you know, being thrown out, having this, been displaced myself, um, for similar reasons, but, um, I just want to get an idea of the, you know, like the queer spaces in Trinidad, um, were they, well, prior to 2018, I guess we'll talk about after 2018 at some point in the conversation, but um, were they, how were those situated? Were they like primarily underground? Um, you know, each one tell one kind of a scenario if you if you wanted to hang out with queer people outside of, you know, like the art spaces. If it's like just regular hanging out, I mean, you know, everybody in community, well, they had Facebook groups and everybody would, you know, contact each other through all the groups and stuff so everybody will get familiar you know from one or two events you kind of figure out which people they like which group couples you know and then you'll move on from there other than that in terms of actual events these were held mostly in private residences or private spaces and like if it is you want to throw something or whatever you know just regular places that you could rent nothing like too extreme that we had to hide. The only thing we had to be very careful about was the location. So if we rent it out wherever, whether it's a house or an actual business or whatever, we would have to keep the location disclosed until the actual day of the event. So we won't have anybody on the outside who does not approve, try to, you know, mess with the event or 
starting to plan anything to harm anybody. That was the only safety precaution we had to take, especially with more gay events, because you know how men are with gays compared to lesbians or whatever, bisexual. So that was a major thing. Um, I think on my path, I am aware though, in the sense that I I wasn't particularly I you know my interests are very niche in the sense of I wasn't like interested in parties and stuff like that. Um, so I could speak on like where like like events like creative events as concerned and um, events surrounding like activism and all you know doing that community outreach and stuff because I've been involved in a lot of those and they're not 100% like private most of the events that I've been to like I've been to queer events in in the black box um, which is a space owned by Three Canal it's on the avenue well Murray Street on the avenue and most of the events there um, they, they won't advertise as oh this is only for queers but um, Somehow the events are always filled with, you know, so many familiar queer faces that it feels like most of those events kind of feel like, oh, okay, yeah, this is somewhere that I could just be myself and everybody know everybody's face. So, you know, that you're in a safe space. Um, the only events that I could say that was <clears throat> completely like, not 100% private, but it was just strict surrounding, like who could go there is like, some of the workshops that were held, I've facilitated a lot of workshops, um, but that were publicized, that were publicized for queer people. And I don't think we ever had an issue where somebody who um, was anti-LGBT show up and was like, hey, what are you doing there or anything like that? I think um, for the most part, it has been relatively, I want to say inclusive um, in that allies could show up as well and people who are interested in supporting the community could show up as well. Um, but there are one or two events that was just kind of sent directly to people's messages. I've never been in any of those Facebook or like any groups or committees. Yeah, I've never been in those. So I'm, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure. Anything that I've received, I've either, I either saw it online or I was messaged or emailed directly to be involved in it. That's the advantage we have now which is so good <laughs> compared to back then. You know, if it is you want to hear about a gay event or any queer event or whatever it is, you have to know somebody that in the committee or whatever because you basically keep it amongst ourselves. At the end of the day, it's a huge community and everybody knows each other. So once one committee throws an event or whatever, the word spreads within the community and... We also have a lot of straight people or people on the outside who want to support or whatever, whatever. But back then, it was a little sticky in terms of having it broadcasted wide as an open event for every and anybody to walk through compared to now. Okay. So I have an interesting question as you kind of move into a conversation about like just Trinidadian society and culture generally. Um, so here in Jamaica, um, Soka spaces tend to be actually more queer-friendly spaces. So, you know, we have dance halls. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of dance halls in Trinidad. Um, and you have some dance hall spaces that are okay, you know, and you, you can be 
sufficient visibly queer in those spaces, but queer people in Jamaica flock to a soca party um, to live their best lives. And I was just wondering what that relationship was for um, like, uh, you know, the queer community in Trinidad, like um, how is playing mass for you as a queer person? What does that look like? Oh, I actually went to Port of Spain, was it like two years ago or something? And there was gay people everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I love that there were guys in heels and hair. And there was, oh, there was just everything all over. And it was amazing to me. I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of queer people in almost every single band. I don't know if I looked out to them, but that time I went was the recent, what carnival was that? The last carnival we had? Yeah. I was actually really surprised to see how it was mostly guys that would be the one. In, and they looked way better than the woman. I ain't gonna lie. So, you know, a lot of people wasn't support of that. They're in these heels and they just all over. And it was a performance. And I think it was actually nice to see everybody enjoying it, seeing them enjoy themselves and realizing, oh, God, they look better than everybody else. And they're enjoying themselves. It wasn't anything homophobic for me, which was strange. And I really hope that continues. How about you, Danica? What, what has your experience been? Yeah, I like, I am not uh, a fattened carnival person, but I've mm-hmm. seen people live their best lives on the road specifically. But I, I personally, I do not feel safe um, like living my best life in these streets, particularly because I am... Even for carnival time, I went to Juve. Like, so I'm at a party. I went to Juve for the first time in years in 2019. That was the last carnival we had, right? Yeah. 2019. That's the one I went to. And yeah. it was great. But um me and my partner, we were hyper vigilant as hell. Because we're both um kind of more like feeling kind of presenting. And it's just I've had so many bad experiences on the road with men. Um, catcalling, being disrespectful, being nasty, being like threatening us and stuff like that, that I personally just did not feel safe, 100% safe, just letting my guard down. But as me, but I've seen other people, um, the three canal band, people are saying it's the gay band. And they live their best lives. Even when I went and I played with three canal, I did not feel 100% safe, just doing that because of my own experience because like you know but that's just me i'm real happy to see that um your experience is a bit different really but i just shows like we're two we're two queer persons living in the same country but also in terms of separate experiences besides carnival you're talking about you know your regular experience like on a daily outside i have to deal with the same when yeah relationships especially like like my last relationship was somebody that was in Georgia. So she's now in more femme. And there was it was it was very uncomfortable for her because she's like, you have to go through this all the time. There are men coming up and it's like the comments, the things they're saying, and it's like, I really want to cross you out so bad. They have to make sure and check the scene before you respond to see, you know, how but it's just difficult in terms of 
trying to figure out how to respond. Most of the times, I really don't care. I tell them about it if I had to tell them because I don't want them to feel as though I'm going to just sit there and be quiet while they try and make me feel threatened for no reason. I'm minding my business, living my life. Y'all do the same. So I've honestly gotten used to it because I've dealt with it so much. And then my mouth is a different thing too. So I I dare them. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, So yeah, let's broaden that conversation. Talk to us about what it is like um being, I mean, growing up in Trinidad, just generally. So um, outside of just like the safe spaces that the, the LGBT community to provide. What is that? What can what what are the pros and cons of that experience growing up queer in Trinidad and living queer in Trinidad? Um Cons is, you know, where you deal with your family and how they accept you in terms of how society decides to treat you when they realize your sexuality. So, you know, for me, I just tend to take my respect back from them. And a lot of people, a lot of people are going to come to you asking the most disrespectful questions. And it is like a regular thing. To the point, there's at some point, you're just not going to get offended by it. The more you're just going to be upset. So you have to really, you know, understand, okay, these people don't know. And they're generally asking for, you know, information or whatever. So that's the only con that I have to deal with on a regular, besides feeling a type of way when it is you're out with somebody, especially like your partner, whatever. people could definitely tell you again, you have to worry about who going to see whatever and try whatever. Um, yeah, in terms, in terms of jobs, I've never had a problem because I've always put it at the forefront. This is what I am. Take it or leave it. You know, <laughs> I was very bold face about it to everybody when it is I came out. I was like, this is it. Take it or leave it. Respect me or not, you know, and move on according. So I've dealt with my cons and pros is now compared to back then a lot of things are open you know a lot of people could be comfortable have a lot of more a lot more events and it's easier to talk about certain things to express yourself because you realize everybody is expressing themselves in their own different way so that's the pro that i take at the moment just getting to see people have their safe platform to express themselves in any way that they could when it comes to being queer. What about you, Danica? So forgive me. I'm trying to understand if you're asking it on like, I know you said broaden, so like general as it like on the behalf of queers in Trinidad or personal experience. I would say, I mean, I guess could be both. You could talk about you and talk about what the experience is like generally. Um, I think um, a big, and I'm just going to generalize it based on just my observation. Um, I think the, the pros and the cons differ based on when you kind of discover yourself and start, like, had to make that decision to live your best life or just be out and open. Um, just because uh, I think the, for me, like for somebody who comes out at a later age is easier to deal with 
um, the cons list might be lower because you're already embedded into society in a particular kind of way. Um, and you already kind of have your foot in, um, in life in particular. So you might have a job already. You might be living outside of your parents' home already. Um, you might already have your career path kind of, you know. Um, but I've had, I've, I've taught students and had a few of them come out to me because I am, I'm openly out even with my students and they struggle, you know, they, they really, really struggle. And some of the cons is being not just put out from family, but being ostracized in school, being bullied in school, um, your life regardless of what 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 part of your life you're in a con is that your life is always at risk even if you feel safe sometimes even if you have a community that is supportive you know even if you have all of these things in place your life is constantly at risk because um some some people are violently against what you are you know they believe that you a lot of people hide it as well Correct. I have friends that have been friends for a long while, and they say things. And I'm like, oh, you're you're homophobic. Correct. This is going on, and you cut them off one time. Correct. Um, I had I had worked in this business place. I'm not gonna say the name of the place, but I worked in this particular place, and I was was in the closet. But everybody suspected that I was queer, and they were very nasty. They used to throw talks and say nasty things, and then it had this guy who was openly queer. Um, and they, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't particularly change, you know, I think some, some benefits, I guess, to be an openly queer is that, um, it encourages other people to want to come out and, um, build the community. It's, you know, one more person out of the closet safely. That is means that we will be one more step closer to just making this less taboo. Um, you know, we continue to have this conversation and educate people and just bring awareness, build allyship um, in non-queer communities. Um, I saw the other day, Scotia Bank, they have this really beautiful campaign um, on their Instagram featuring some queer persons that I know and kind of just celebrating what it means to be a part of this community. Um, and I think, yeah, the more people speak about it, the more we have these conversations. Um, the pros is that more businesses will buy into the idea of it. Um, you know, uh, just more people, more people in general will just be more supportive. It help those you know? who don't have the opportunity, don't have the safe space to actually express themselves or come mm-hmm. out. It's like the little ways that, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has struggles not everybody gonna be brave enough to step out and do it whenever they're gonna have to make sure they feel safe first because it's a big risk regardless when it's you come out to your family and friends and whatever yeah um i'm also interested danika um in that the difference in the experience between teaching and working for that other company um i know you you, you like it, you spoke about um being out to your students um i did teach for a while um some students knew i was queer because of previous interactions when i was in college um but i'm interested to know what the reception was like particularly from like 
staff and school admin, if it was like a private school versus government school, what what was that like? All right. So I <laughs> funny story. So I've I've taught in both religious schools and government schools, right? In the government schools, they don't really care. <laughs> they, the te- the the they, the um administration they talk among themselves the teachers they talk among themselves i've had i've heard like whispers about the way that i dress particularly um these students are all around hardwired into thinking that being queer is bad um so i've performed in i've performed and taught in over 100 schools over 100 schools throughout trinidad and tobago and there's this one poem that i used to perform um called boom bye bye it was written after um was this was this guy's name helpma uh it was written after Bujibanton, right um and the students was it always used to leave the students very. I've never seen Trini students cry from hearing um, a queer story until I started performing that poem. But I've also never seen students get so riled up after a poem before, and it was because it was so conflicting. I had a t- I had a parent come up to me and take one of take her child out of the class because um, she felt like somebody like me. Um, you know, I shouldn't be teaching kids anything, you know, because just my mere presence would force them to think about um things that they shouldn't be thinking about, force them to be gay. I don't know if if being queer could like rub off. Just- <laughs> yeah, like if, if we pass it on like osmosis, I don't know. I like just- rub off. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah. not quite, no, I don't know. Better tell you everything. Please join our community. Please be gay. Exactly. Um, I can tell you a difference between the boys' schools as well. I've I I taught for a year in a boys' school, and they so chill there. It's like me and Miss like the same thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they so chill, like real, real chill, chill to the point where, um, you know, I would hang out with these students, like we. She's cool and they they felt safe enough to come to me to talk about absolutely anything, you know, to the point where we having conversations about consent and all these different type of things. Yeah. Um, in the all girls school that I taught in, it was similar, except the teachers were the issue. Um, and the, the all girls school was also a religious school. So the teachers always used to have, I think they always used to have the kind of shushu among themselves or oh, look what she. Look, look what I have on today. Oh gosh, look, 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 look at yeah. that. Um, and um, but the students were cool. The parents had a problem with it, I think. Um, just not being able to wrap them their heads around this, you know. I don't I, I don't identify as lesbian, but I've been called a lesbian by parents, you know, and by teachers. Um, I'm glad you still had the opportunity to reach in the school and actually perform. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, listen, <laughs> I've, I've, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. This is really cool. Yeah, I've never been thrown out of a school for performing a queer poem before. Amen to that. I love but, it. <laughs> the, the thing is, I think for me, any community could be reached if you 
do it with tact and if you find a way to make it palatable i've i've used art to speak about some real taboo things before and i think it is the one way that it could reach people without their without them putting up their guard and, and getting ready to fight you on the jump you know they will listen exactly because it's uh they open mm-hmm. the experience they want to understand what is presented in front of them on like a conversation where they could just correct hey, I I put, listen i perform a poem and i had a lady come up to me and she was like how dare you perform that how dare you how, how dare you go up on the stage and preach that bullshit but I, how dare you sit and listen to the whole performance <laughs> you're the poor lady heart attack but if it's, if it's one thing if it's one thing I, I'm sure um, the sisters are gonna come for when they don't understand something is how you dress yeah. because I've gotten that so many times when I used to teach but it's interesting that I saw Glenroy's face at the same time um, when you said it, that it was, you know, like in the government schools, like they really didn't care um, compared to the private schools. Like I expected it to be the, the reverse of, of that situation. Nah, they don't really don't but, care. It just comes to do the yeah. job. <laughs> that's, it. That, that's really, that's really good because I, I mean, I taught in a government school and it was the staff that had a problem, you know, yeah. um, reported me behind um, to the principal for no reason at all, just because they knew I was queer from college. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell is wrong with these people? Um, but that's good though. Uh, Mel, you know, Mel wonder if we can, we can prove the Nika for perform the poem for on the podcast. I'm not sure we're interested <laughs> for ears. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> Somebody, hold on the point. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, question. We, you dress like that, you know. We obviously, well, people in the community obviously know you're part of the community. How do you deal with with men? Do you have to deal with men because this is like one part. I really, really. This is my. This is my major con. I hate it. Because I'm femme, so they're gonna be like, you don't look gay, and they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear nothing comes out my mouth. I'm femme mm. in that, and that's it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I know you're gonna tell me something because there are times I, I date studs, and when it is they go, there are times they after them, and I'm like, you don't see me in these shorts. Why are you behind my girlfriend? That's yeah. suspicious. So I, I think same problem. I have two problems. Is either um, I have men being very hostile, um, telling me they 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 know what they have to do to set me straight um, after speaking to you or trying to holler at you or just seeing you. No, alone. just just seeing me. I've, it, um, right now, I I don't travel anymore. But when I used to travel, like I don't know what it is. Men, these taxi drivers. Um, and spe- like specifically, always want to ask me. They ask me. They outright ask me if I like women. Um, and and maybe yeah, that way because I find somebody to you know number one line. That's yeah, good. number one. And it it started to become very very frustrating because I've had men follow me down the street and thing before because of that. Um, because they assume that they know what I need. I the cure now, the cure for me being queer. They know what I need. But on the other hand, I think now uh, I get a lot of men hitting on me, and it's very confusing because I look more yes. masculine presenting than 
feminine presenting. And my assumption, honestly, is that these men are low-key on boys. Oh, right? I ask them. They it's are low-key on boys like, as well. Like, embrace yeah. your homosexuality. It's beautiful. Come to the gay side because <laughs> I do not understand why. I clearly not on you. And you still feel the need to, to you know, rasp. Now, like what? You know, it's very, it's very strange. But I experience both, both ends of the spectrum, and it's always very jarring. Because on one hand, safety, and on the other hand, I do not want what you have to offer. You know. I simply ask. They'll ask like, "How you know if you didn't try? How you know if you didn't try?" I find my ways to to shut them up and make them feel very <laughs> stupid because I've dealt with it so much. So I know my responses. I I usually do. I don't say anything at all. I too tiny to be to 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 me like my greatest fear is just um bouncing up like the wrong one because that's the fear, right? We and we've heard these stories before. Um, I I know. You know, within the na- within the last three years, three people that I know were killed here in Trinidad because they were queer, right? And for me, it's just like I always wondering like when will be too much, you know? When will be the day that I bounce up somebody who just not just about talk and decides to grab or decides to pull or or even worse. Yeah. So that's like, that's always like at the back of my mind. And I just try real hard not to think about those things. But we have to. It's Trinidad, you know, it's Trinidad. (laughs) I've had to change my route so many times because I felt threatened, you know, Um, and it's not a comfortable place to be. I haven't, it hasn't been that extreme for me to the point that I have to, you know, feel like somebody following me, actually following me. but. I've worked for Carib and I've worked for Angostura. You know what those deals look like. You know how we are in the field. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot, there's men on alcohol. So they would take, they would not take no for an answer. But at those times, you know, I have supervisors to be like, yo, take this one away, yo, you know, watch us or whatever. But other than that, on the outside, especially if it is you're out with your partner, you just have to. Obviously, you're not going to go in an area at a certain time where, you know, the crime rate is going to be against you. So yeah. that's like basic. But other than that, it's just just not letting them see that you're scared. At the same time, it's like, if I had mm-hmm. to make a scene, I will make a scene. You're not taking me down. Yeah. I am taking you down with me. Yeah. Even if, you know, they'll be there to be staring for a while. It's like some, at some point, you know, you might have to move or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still look at you in romance, soups and activity. Hell, you're looking at whatever, whatever. And <laughs> I just move away, go somewhere else where it is, you know, okay, have certain people around or whatever. Where if anything happened, they would obviously do something or whatever. Okay. I'm very sorry you've had that experience because if I know how scary mine is and if it actually reaches the point where somebody following me and not just a wrong <coughs> a, a room or a bar or whatever like actually following me on my oh, yeah. listen I last, oh. last year early last year um somebody was putting uh nails in my car tire 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, and this was apart from the issues with my mom, um, being uh, and uh, it was in Belmont, and literally like, like three times we came to the car and the cars it was flat. And then when I took it to the auto shop, they were like, somebody put nails in your tires. Like somebody really wants to see you not be okay, you know, because it could yeah. have blown out on the highway or whatever. And I didn't know, you no, know, I if it didn't air down. have to be careful. I lived there for a yeah. while, less than a month. And walking these streets is, you know, same thing you're going to have to do with as a woman. So as a queer woman, it's, it's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> if it to get to that point, then it would be ridiculous as a shutting in your life. You're not going to be able to stay there and be safe or whatever. Right. Your own place. Wow. Who, hopefully, it's going to turn up to your house for that situation. Or somebody put nails in the tire because they get, no, they're not going to show up. I, I, that's frightening. Um, uh, I want to say thank you for sharing that, but. You know, it's not necessarily a thank you moment, and it's unfortunate yeah. um, that you know that you've experienced that. Um, kind of want to shift gears a little and hear more about the activism side. I think you talked a lot, and and you've shared a lot about your activism already, which is amazing. And I hear how you've been in schools, you know, using activism to kind of get change and that kind of thing. And yeah. I just about you know what is the movement like in Trinidad because um, from what I know uh, I know there's several like organizations in Trinidad so that's the one thing that I've always admired admired about Trinidad there's like a bunch of like LGBT organizations um, doing you know really great work and I, I wanted to hear a, a bit about some of what is happening here <clears throat> well um I mean for me personally I think there are a lot of stuff happening. I mean, on the outside looking in, it looks like, oh, like, real things happening. But me particularly, I feel like not enough of what I want to happen happening. Moment, nothing is happening. <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't say that. Pride, Pride, TT, Pride TT is going to be kicking off um, their Pride Month activities from yes, July 1st. And every year since 2018, or maybe even before that, before the um the whole incident with the court ruling of um buggery and stuff like that here um they've been pretty pretty active i haven't been too involved in their stuff other than um outside of just being invited to either speak or perform or engage in a particular kind of way um before um and you know rest his soul colin robinson passed away um, he was also involved in a lot of activities with Kaiso. Um, uh, they were heavy on hosting workshops for queer people and creating that space for um, queer people to learn about things, share things, and um, and just have this community um, outside of kind of sharing the space with even allies, um, which was always dope for me. They had a house in Belmont. I remember they had this house in Belmont where they used to have all these activities, parties sometimes too, but it just always used to feel like a safe space. And I feel like we don't have that anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened with the house, 
But that's something that IRL passion is about. Like, if I is to win the lotto today, and I know it sounds crazy, but just to have like this house that is a hub for queer activities for LGBT that's activities, that's something I always wanted to do as well. Activism <laughs> and all of these different type of things. Um, I think um organizations like Womantra and stuff they do things for the LGBT community as well. Um, but outside of that, I'm not really, I haven't been tapped into the network in a very long time, mostly because of the pandemic. And of course, you know, dealing with my own, you know, things, but I think, I think for what, for what we are now and for the times that we live in now, a lot is happening. Like pride is a big deal. You know, we can't go out on the streets and march and stuff like previous years, but um, I think the virtual activities will be dope. Okay. I mean, so the reason why I celebrate the fact that there are so many active organizations in Trinidad is because in Jamaica, while there are multiple um, organizations that are doing work, I feel like um, it's, there's, there's usually just there's one major organization and then there are like organizations that come and go, come and go over the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but in Trinidad, I... They have some consistent, yes. Yeah. Multiple organizations. I feel, I feel like it goes, as the years goes by, because when it is, I came out, I'm 26, I was 18. I was 18 at the time. And back then, you know, they had about three or four committees. And they would be the heads. They were older people, like 35 and older. And they were the heads. And as soon as, you know, a certain period passed you know they basically pass it on to the younger ones and then they've expanded that to everything that we have now so i'm just excited to see what these youths are gonna be bringing out i'm trying to get involved in everything that's going on right now in terms of all the new people all the people that you would be involved with Danica, but um i i'm not too sure how <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't fit in with young people too well, you know. So I like be updated with stuff on the outside, like follow most of the pages. But in terms of actually going to events or being part of anything, I'm not sure how to make my step into getting out into. Um, I don't think it's no, it's not too challenging, you know. I think the thing it's is, but I don't have friends, meaning like I don't go out, I don't leave my house. <laughs> so it'll be hard to go to events and chat with all that all right here's what to do after this podcast link with me on instagram and i will uh, i will send you stuff whenever whenever Please. i have stuff i will send you uh, stuff sure. <laughs> because anything. people always send in those things always come in my in my um in my email or people always whatsapp in me to get involved and i am very for a very long time i've also been very specific about what I want to get involved in and that's just because um for me energy and people in particular and um most of the times I also just feel like I don't fit in (laughs) so I'm I'm also very selective about events but a lot of stuff do happen and have been happening for years um and I think it's all about who you know and who you have in your networks as well because they could slide past you like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting to hear, like, like both, like, sides because I'm, and I'm glad that, you know, I got both of you to be on the podcast so you have somebody who's 
a bit more familiar with the, you know, what activist space versus someone who is still yeah, official. You know, you're still, you know, you know what's happening in the community in in different ways because I think that gives you a fuller picture of everything. I know M wanted to ask about the Jason Jones case. Um, Yeah, and I'm also interested to hear, oh, you know, you guys felt about that case, how you felt about how things have changed, if they have changed since that case. Um, So, yeah. Things definitely change. Yo, I remember being in Woodford Square when that news, like, I think we were protesting or something. Um, And that's when that news hit. I can't remember what day exactly. And I just remember feeling extremely overwhelmed with joy. I mean, it was a tiny step. It was like very, very, very tiny step um, to us getting closer. I don't want to say to freedom, um, but to to get into a place where we could be treated as straight people in the community, like not be criminalized for something that, frankly, we should not be criminalized for, you know? Does that make, you know, it makes no sense. Straight folks have sexual relations per annum all the time, you know? So uh, why is it because, um, why is it because persons are queer, you would criminalize, criminalize them for it, you know? I think while it's still not legal, being um, queer in Trinidad, it's still not legal and you can't get married here and, you know, you don't have any benefits at all. I think slowly, very slowly, maybe not even in this lifetime that I alive in. <laughs> um, I think hopefully we get to see it. I don't care about. I, I want to. to I want, but I things have gotten that. easier. Things have yeah. gotten slightly easier. Um, people are not too thrown off for the most part by yeah. the presence of LGBT persons. In Trinidad, of course, and I, I'm sure you've heard that religious organizations they 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 will up and front and center, um, you know, protesting against um the LGBT community, and they still do that all the time. They don't do it openly, but um, you know, you hear the way that people feel about the community. You um, just I, I, go in a regular church and sit down on a Sunday morning and hear how ridiculous they are. <laughs> basically, any church. It's not too bad in the Catholic church, though. I don't think it's yeah. too, too bad. Some churches are fine because, you know, a lot of gay people are very religious and they have, you know, high positions in the church and they are accepted. But there are others. Like, I went to my cousin's wedding. A wedding. Right, they had a pride flag behind. Like, I don't think they knew that it was a rainbow thing that they had, but um, it was ridiculous. I had to leave the church. I was listening to this guy, and, and he was so homophobic. And it was not even the time and place. This is a wedding. It's supposed to be bringing two people together. I actually left. I was like, I outside, and I didn't know this because I don't want to use obscene language in any house of God. So I'll be outside. Um, I think a thing that hasn't changed, though, is the dealing with um, issues, the dealing with the police with issues and um, issues that may come up where um, LGBT persons like go to a police station and try to make a report like that hasn't changed, um, which is sad because it feels like 
um, we are not afforded the same amount of protection um, heterosexual persons in the community, in, you know, in our society have privy or the privileged uh, experience. Like if you haven't, like let's say for instance, there's domestic violence in your relationship and you go to report that, I have heard of cases where the police just laugh at you. <laughs> like the police will literally laugh in your face. I mean, they do it a lot of straight people all the yeah. time. So imagine what we get as the dregs of that. Yeah, they, if they come to your home, the police officers are very nasty towards you um, and that type of thing. I've also had the instance where um, I've, I have personally received the grace from the police officer. It happened like twice. Um, where we were out and they felt like our safety, safety was compromised where we were and police officer advised us to move from where we were and go somewhere that have maybe a, a lot more people because they're afraid like somebody could hurt us. Um, so it have one or two good ones, but yeah, you, you, you know, you can imagine being existing in a society where you already don't feel safe and then the law enforcement do not help make you feel yeah. It's just so interesting to know that um, you know, the experiences are just so similar. I guess we are definitely the siblings of CARICOM. <laughs> Jamaica and Trinidad. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess my last question would be um, what if, so what would you like to see? I like to always end things like on a hopeful note. So, so you know, Jason Jones happened in terms of that case. You've seen some small changes. Um, what would you like to see in the next or Trinidad? And um, also, Danica, maybe you can specifically speak to what are you looking forward to for this year's virtual pride? All right. Um, what I'm looking to see from Trinidad and Tobago is something real small, you know. I think um, just a bit more open-mindedness to otherness, um, not, not even just for LGBT, the LGBTQ community, but also for just other forms of otherness that um, I think Trinidadians are very xenophobic um, and if it's not the queer community is mental health. And if it's not mental health, it's physical disability. If you look different, if you sound different, um, you know, you kind of just get put into a box or you're ostracized or you're treated differently. So I guess a bit more openness. And I think with that openness, um, we will start having conversations outside of the community because sometimes it feels like, we just talk into, into a barrel and hearing our voices echoing back to us. And it would be so beautiful to me to hear other communities, religious, you, you, you know, the religious sex, the, the political arena and these, these different um, spaces encouraging the ideas that we share, you know, and that we, not just the ideas, but the concerns we share. Um, just because we're all human beings. And I think that will start with people just being a bit more open-minded, very, very, very small. Being willing to hear another side that is actually against your initial beliefs because 
all of these all of these ideas that we have about what is right or wrong they were handed to us you know it's not things that we arrived at on our own you know we socialize to feel a particular kind of way about different things um and with regards to pride um what i'm looking forward for is a shift in conversation um i think i haven't looked at the calendar yet i am actually participating on the outspoken event on the 1st of july um and i haven't looked at the calendar yet but <laughs> i hope there is a better diversity in you know where the conversations that they plan to have is concerned because i am also at a place where i kind of fatigued with having the same conversations over and over and over and over exactly and over. um and having people call me to talk about the same issues over and over and over and over um i want to kind of start to talk about not just solutions but let's start to make actual tangible steps to start to arrive yeah to these um to these solutions i do in my i do my part as much as i can but we kind of been operating in silos i just thinking about the fact that you know so many caricom countries have so many similar issues but we not collaborating to to deal with this thing together you know we working in silos i don't know half of, i don't i don't know any of the other queer organizations personally okay i lie i know one <laughs> uh, i know one from barbados and i work with some people from barbados um but other than that i don't really know okay i lie Belize as well. <laughs> okay, so maybe I know more than I actually give myself credit for. <laughs> yeah, you know a lot because I I've been from in the loop to like what is going on. I'm confused. I need to know people. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we need to also kind of like branch out and make more collaborations with other people in the Caribbean doing other things. I'm really glad for this opportunity to speak with y'all. Um, and yeah, that's that's it there. <laughs> Okay. I'm on the same page with you, but also just want to add some respect. We just want some goddamn respect as human beings. Period. That's yeah. all I want. Period. <laughs> uh, well, it's so um, great to hear. I, I, that's why I'm glad that we finally did this um, this Caribbean tour series. Um, one because I think I'm fortunate enough to know activists in different parts of the region, so I'm able to connect. Um, and get us to talk about um, the differences, but more often than not, hear all the similarities and think yeah. um, how you know what what kind of differences and uh, how we can work on the differences. Who are similarities build on um, what we already have? So I really want to thank you both for just coming and sharing because I feel like especially like the Jama- Jamaicans are a bit self centered, so we don't. Really- <laughs> <laughs> I can admit that. I can admit that, right? And we don't really know what's happening in the rest of the Caribbean and what the, the experiences are like. So it's good to kind of yeah. what else is happening in different parts of uh, the Caribbean, so we can learn. And I'm, I'm big up on this stuff. Big up, big up, Trinidad and Pride, Pride TT with them one month activities. Big up on yourself. I don't know how to do it. I couldn't do it. We do one week, and it's just over. So big up on yourself. <laughs> it's virtual, so you can participate. Yes, yes, yes. Um, check out their um, their social media pages. Is what their social media pages? 
<laughs> I'm assuming. And you can check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can check all their calendars um, to see which events you want to participate in, if you want to learn more. Um, because I think as Dinka rightly said, it's like there are a lot of the same stories. And maybe it, through that kind of exchange, we can learn more. And I remember once participating in like Pride Bahamas in one of their opening panels last year. So there's a lot we can learn from each other and listen together. So thank you. Thank you both. Em, is there anything you want to say? Um, so when I get the poem? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <Okay>. next time. <laughs> you can get the poem if you want. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. We have time. All right. So the name of the poem is called... What's the name of the poem? <laughs> so, guys, I, I have... Anyway, name of the poem. No disclaimers. This is the poem that I performed in 2018 that I won with. Um, poem, come somewhere. <laughs> At the end of the medieval period, I was built into houses, constructed into bedrooms. My sole purpose was to be a prayer place, a keepsake, a place for people to go and meditate. Over time, I became a place for storage, to hold things like jackets, shirts, pairs of bloody shoes. Today, I hold things like shame, family secrets, people's identities, myths, monsters hiding in the dark. I hold limbs limp in corners for having spent too much time in the dark it's the 21st century and i have become a place to hang things i have i have lines running in me from wall to wall i am the site of many hangings like shirts and ties and suits and people i hang actual bodies i hold them hostage i hold People who so desperate to be accepted by anyone that did break themselves to try to bend any crook thing straight. I hold, I hold the girls who bind their best in secrets because their bodies do not feel their, like their own. I hold words that make them hate themselves like Bola, Faggot, Ishi, Dyke, Lesbo. I hold the children so, who so desperate to be accepted by anyone that they break themselves to try to bend any crook thing about them straight. You know how dusty a closet is? How much stuff gathers? How much things are lost but never found? I wish I had the passageway of Narnia so that every time someone came looking for an escape, they could experience a world where people love them for who they were and didn't brandish them. Abominations I hold like the body is expected to hold, holy, hold, like a pillar of salt, hold, like from, like coffins, hold, vampires, hold, like the pastor's Sodom and Gomorrah sermon on a Saturday and the same pastor's mouth wrapped around a little boy's penis on a Sunday. I hold, like garbage bins and drains and city streets hold, the dead corpses of queer persons who dare to live outside of the closet. I wish ministers would stop trying to tell people what to do in their bedrooms or concerned about what two consenting adults did in their bedroom see the passageway to hell is in a bedroom and it's six feet deep and it's six feet wide and i'd be damned if we continue letting closets be a place where people hide up yourself <laughs> wow thank you that was awesome that was good, okay. you deserve for you big up yourself 
Yeah. <laughs> right through the car. I mean, what was it after that? Um, so just to say um thank you listeners for um tuning in once again um you can reach out to us at fish tea podcast on twitter facebook and on instagram and you can email us your feedback um at at fish and at fishy podcast at gmail.com like share subscribe leave a comment rate us on whatever platform you're listening to us on um we're still in a pandemic you know take your joke right right um mask up social distance wash your hands sanitize wipe it off before you put it in your mouth <laughs> as i always say stay sophisticated Bye. Bye. Bye.